All righty, all righty. So how you doing? I'm doing all right. My name is Bill Reeser. I'm the pastor of Encounter. And I want to welcome everyone out to the greatest place to be on a Friday night. I want to welcome everyone here at the sanctuary in the Father's house. I want to welcome our friends across the country online here in town, out of town, Louisville, Rockford, New York, wherever you are online, welcome to Encounter. And we're continuing our series on the Holy Spirit. Today is part three, Power for a Purpose. So you may want to take notes. You should have gotten a fill-in-the-blank. You're going to be taking a lot of notes today. You also, I won't be offended if you take out your phone, go to the Encounter Facebook page and invite all your friends. Even now, while it's streaming, do that now before you get in trouble. You'll get in double secret probation if you don't do it right now. Okay? But here's what we've been learning here at Encounter about the Holy Spirit. If you want to get close to God, you have to learn how to run errands for the Holy Spirit. If you want to run errands for the Holy Spirit, you have to say yes to Jesus being the Lord and leader of your life. If you say yes to Jesus being the Lord and leader of your life, then you have to say yes to the Holy Spirit guiding you into truth. If you say yes to the Holy Spirit guiding you into truth, then you have to spend the rest of your life allowing the Holy Spirit to teach you how to love Jesus out of gratitude and not obligation. If you obey God out of gratitude and not obligation, then you'll experience the Spirit-filled life. If you experience the Spirit-filled life, you will experience grace in its purest form and follow God from a place of gratitude as opposed to obligation. If you experience grace in its purest form, the Holy Spirit will burden, even empower you to be a great witness for Jesus Christ. Acts 1 8 is our first scripture we're going to share with you tonight. It says, But you will receive power, power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem throughout Judea, in Samaria, in Santa Clarita, in Kentucky, all the way to the ends of the earth. Now, friends, I, I don't know. I really don't know and can't even come close to explaining some of the encounters that I've had in my life with the Holy Spirit. I have a good idea of why God did those things for me, and he continues to do those things for me. See, God always knew that I had a big mouth. I still got a big mouth. I'm a talker. My wife will tell you I talk a lot. The fact of the matter is, before I became a follower of Jesus, I spent most of my life talking about me to other people. Because it was my pride. It was my insecurities that fueled all those conversations. Now fast forward, when I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ and told him that I would do anything he wanted me to do, just as long as I knew it was him, I guess God knew that I would testify about anything that he would do in my life. You see, I used to brag about me all the time, but now I love bragging about God. I love bragging about all the things that he does and what he continues to do. I just love doing that about God. And I essentially made a vow to God to live out Acts 20, 24 for the rest of my life, which says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That's what I live for. And since that day, it's been apparent to me that God was adamant about me living a life of extreme faith 
experiencing the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit. And he would put people in my life that somehow would have this relationship with God that was so powerful, yet so personal, and I could never really even grasp it, especially in the beginning when I started following Christ. I remember my church in Kentucky, we took a bunch of guys to a big men's convention in Florida, a Promise Keeper event. And it was just a bunch of us that got there, and there was one guy that just had this relationship with God where he would hear from God, he'd be led by God, and it was just a rough trip. It was a long trip, long drive, and we got there late, and the guys were cranky, and the place was sold out, and there was no parking when we got there, and we were looking for parking, not a parking space available, and then the guy, just, the guy I'm talking about just yells at everybody in the van. He says, shut up, and he starts praying, and he says, Lord, I just pray for the best parking spot there is. And all, when he, the second he prayed that, a gate opened up right where the media was parked, all the, all, the, all the trailers. And they said, you come park here with all the media trucks. It was like, did he just hear him? <laughs> did he just answer that prayer? And then we walk into this tunnel. Everyone's in the event already. There's no seats except on the upper right hand of this baseball stadium in right field and left field, a few empty seats all the way up in the rafters. And then the guys are whining, oh, we have no seats and everything. And the guy turns around and says, shut up. <laughs> he says, follow me. And he walks out in the middle of the infield and he looks up. And he says, Father, I just pray for the best seats in the house. Just like that. And, and he just, he doesn't say anything. And he goes, okay. And he starts walking in this direction as if he heard from God. As if God answered him. And as if God told him where the seats were. And so he starts walking towards the dugout. And on top of the dugout, there was this, there was this private section, like an outback steakhouse section, that was roped off with these tables and big leather chairs and everything. And nobody was sitting in them. And there was a guy standing in front of the roped-off section, and my friend approaches him, the guy who just finished praying, and, and the guy says, well, who are you to my friend? And my friend says, well, I'm a king's kid, and we're special guests of the promise keepers of the state of Florida, and God just told us these were our seats. Thank you for holding them for us. And he just said, come on, boys, and we just sat in there. As if he heard from God that that's where we're supposed to be sitting. And so the amazing thing was, was that for two nights... For one whole night and a whole day on a Saturday, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of guys would come down to our section and say, who are you guys? <laughs> oh, we're King's Kids. We're special guests of the Promise Keepers of the state of Florida. How can we pray for you? We literally prayed for hundreds and hundreds of men for two days. And you know what? I, you know, when, when that happened and we went on the, and, we, and we started going home, I said to myself, I want a relationship with God like that. I want to hear from God like that. I want God to lead me like that. I want him to speak to me where I know it's his voice. And one of the prayers I learned to pray was, Lord, let your voice be the only voice that I hear in Jesus' name. You know, if you can fully explain your ministry to other people, chances are the Holy Spirit's not in control of the ship. But if you can't explain your ministry to other people, chances are the Holy Spirit is directing the ship. Because you can't explain the things of God. See, I know I'm the pastor of Encounter. I know I'm your pastor, and I, love, I, I just love you guys. I love you guys more than you'll ever, ever know. 
But you guys need to know something. My real job is to encourage you in your faith and compel you to live a radical life of faith and trust in Jesus Christ, trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit to do what you can't do for yourselves because nothing is impossible for God. And every assignment that I've ever received from God was always to encourage those around me in the area of faith, prayer, trusting in God, and trusting in the person and power of the Holy Spirit. Every major event in my life was always preceded by the Holy Spirit doing something miraculous that defied all logic. Like the first time I ever shared my testimony and a few years after that, when I became a pastor. Those weren't just two good ideas that Carolyn and I came up with one day. Those were things that God announced to us over and over through his Holy Spirit that at times both of us said, who, me? No, you must be thinking of somebody else. But look what it says in Isaiah 42.9. See, the former things have taken place and the new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Now, this is our memory verse of the week, so let's say it out loud together as a church. Isaiah 42.9, let's say it. See, the former things have taken place and the new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Keep that scripture in mind as I share the following stories. You know, the first time I was ever asked to share my testimony, I was asked to share it at our church back home in Kentucky, and it was in front of 6,000 people at six services, not to mention that it was being televised in the entire state of Kentucky. Now, what you need to know about me, you may not know this, is that up until that point, up until that weekend, actually, I could, I could never do any public speaking. I was generally a nervous guy by nature, and if I had to speak to more than a group of five people, I would have panic attacks. I would just, and I, do, I would just simply shut down, and I would get really, really nervous, because I, I never did any public speaking. I hated it. I couldn't do it. I didn't have the nerves for it. And so they asked me to share my story, and I had 30 minutes. And this is, you know, just like any good organized church. They had a whole service planned out. And uh, so not only could, couldn't I do any public speaking up to this point, I couldn't even write out my testimony. I had no idea what I was going to say. They gave me, you know, about a month or so, and I tried writing what I was going to say down, could never write a single word, a single sentence. I had no idea what I was going to say. And Carolyn and I fought like cats and dogs. And she had what's called a conniption during this time. She will tell you. Uh, we fought because she was getting nervous that I couldn't write a single thing on paper. She was worried about me having nothing to say. And I just wanted the ability just to speak. <laughs> I was just happy just to speak. She, in essence, was just a little bit, honey pie, a little bit of a control freak, always having to connect the dots. And I've always been a let's do it by faith freak. Let's just go. God's, God's told us to do it, and, and, and let's do it. And, I, and again, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's about a week before the service. I don't have a single thing on paper. She, it's driving her nuts. But people started praying. People started praying for us. And groups of people started praying. And I'll never forget what happened during these times of prayer we had with people. Uh, one time, a group came over and, 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 just, and just prayed with me. And they just started praying and praying and praying. And, and after the prayer time, one person got up and said, you know, I feel like the Holy Spirit impressed something on my heart. I want to share it with you. 
And here's what, here's, here's what I felt God was telling me to tell you specifically. God wanted me to tell you that the devil is trying to kill you. That he's trying to take you out. He doesn't want you to share your testimony because thousands of people are going to give their lives to Jesus Christ and be set free. That person went on to saying, God wants to show you that he's going to defeat the enemy. He wants to show you that he's going to defeat the enemy on your behalf. There's a battle going on for your life. But God wants to show you that the battle's his and he's going to defeat the enemy. He's going to show you it. I don't know how. I don't even know what this means. So I thought to myself, well, people have said crazy things to me before, and I didn't really think, didn't think much of it. A couple of days later, a different prayer group prays for us. A bunch of people just, just wanted to pray for us, just wanted to pray for me because they knew that I was speaking that weekend and sharing my story for the first time to a lot of people. Well, this unrelated group and this unrelated person didn't know anything about the first person. After the prayer time of that second group, a person gets up and says, you know, we just finished praying for you. God was stirring something in my heart, and I just want to share it with you. And God wanted me to tell you the devil is trying to kill you. He doesn't want you to share your testimony because thousands of people are going to give their lives to Jesus Christ and be, and be set free. And God wants to show you how he's going to defeat the enemy on your behalf. He's going to show you the battle. The devil is trying to kill you. Same exact words. Same exact thing, word for word. And I said, God, are you trying to tell me something? And I'll never forget this. It was a Thursday before the weekend. And we had a nice, nice little home in, in Lexington, Kentucky. And our bedroom was, was the, we had two doors that went out to our front porch. And I woke up in the middle of the night to a like, severe thunderstorm. Not, nothing like out here, the little drizzle we had this past few months. This was like a major thunderstorm. Heavy lightning hitting the porch, knocking trees down. Lightning as flashing and thundering and pounding. I mean, my house was shaking. And I woke up in the middle of the night saying, wow, spelled backwards. That's a big storm. <laughs> That's really big. And I didn't, get, I, didn't, I didn't get out of bed or anything, but something got me up at sunrise. And I got up early at sunrise, and I walked out to assess the damage. And I walked out to my front porch, and it was a spring day, and the sun was out, sun was coming up, the sky was blue, there wasn't even a white cloud in the sky. There wasn't even dew on the grass that morning. The grass was dry, there wasn't a single limb on the floor. And I said, what happened? And I heard God speak to me. And God said, I woke you up last night to show you the battle that I was winning for you. I woke you up to show you that I defeated the enemy on your behalf. And when you get up there this weekend, it won't be you speaking. It'll be me speaking through you. And I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit to empower you. And I'll never forget when I got up there for the first time. I had no notes. I had some guy gave me a poem <laughs> to read at the end of my talk. I'll never forget pulling like the music stand up the podium and feeling God's presence and peace come over me when I shared my testimony for the first time. And I was able to share it as calm as this for six services all throughout that weekend because God's word says before they spring into being, I announce them to you. And thus a ministry got started that weekend. Well, things start progressing. Carolyn takes a trip to Tennessee 
she goes, she goes to this place called Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And she goes to this Bible outlet. And she goes, and in this Bible outlet store, she buys this pastor's Bible for five bucks. And she comes home and says, you're going to be a pastor someday. She goes, you might as well start reading it. Because God's word says, before they spring into being, I announce them to you. I got to tell you, God has spoken to me more through this book. It's not even a, a study Bible. But because God announced something before it happened, God continues to speak to me through this book. So for several years, God would keep announcing to us that I was going to be a pastor. And we fought it so hard at times, kicking and screaming all the way without doubt, our reasoning, our logic, even our puny understanding. But Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Well, God kept showing us the path to take by announcing to us in miraculous ways that one day I was going to be a pastor. Miracle after miracle, person after person, event after event, God kept announcing to us this one fact that I said I would never do that. And one night I was attending a church service a home church service on August 9, 2001. And just like any church service, I started taking notes that I normally do. It was August 9, 2001. I actually have the journal. I'm going to share some of the notes that I was taking that night. It says, we can't afford any longer to have an average walk with God. I want to be the man that loves the Lord more than anyone else. I will love the Lord more than anyone, and I will throw away my life for him. And I just started writing and listening and just writing and writing and talking about faith, and all of a sudden, in the middle of this guy's teaching, my hand just starts writing. And I just start writing, and I just write this little thing called, How Do I Get to the Jordan?, write a healing sermon, write a healing sermon named Which Way to the Jordan, talking about the Jordan River. And as I was writing it, I said, God, I prayed to God. I said, God, do you want me to be a pastor and do you want me to, to preach your word? And do you want me to, to write a message? How do I, how do I get to the Jordan? I'm, I'm, I'm praying this silently to God. And I write it down, 8.32 p.m., 8.09.2001, and I dated it, just like that. And the second I dated it, just like that, I finished writing it, a word, and I wrote a word from the Lord, just like that. I just wrote it, just like that. And just as soon as I finished writing it, the guy who was preaching, on the other end of, of the room, stopped what he was preaching and he looked in the back of the room where I was sitting and he said, Bill Reeser, there's this healing sermon you'll write one day and you'll preach someday. How do I get to the Jordan? Just like that. Because God's word says, before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Now God had to take me and Carolyn on a journey because we reached the point where we really stopped fighting it and we just said, okay, God, Whatever it is you want to do, I'm just going to do it. 
And God sent us into the desert. And God broke us. And God broke me. And I got to tell you, it was, it was almost a three-year ordeal of God stripping us of everything, breaking us down where we could just totally rely on him for everything. And I was at a point where it almost broke me. I was at a point where I was, I didn't know even, even if I could take another step. I didn't even know if I was going to make it through another day, another week, another month, another hour. I just didn't know. I was in between jobs. And I'm saying, okay, God, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll go. And then it wasn't un, un, unusual for me to take groups to New York. I would go speak at churches, and they said, well, take us to, to those prayer meetings that you go to New York. And I spoke at one church in this, this prayer ministry, all women from ages like 50 to 91, I think. It was a lady that was 91 years old. Says, I want to go to New York. They all got together and said, Would you, would you host us? We'll give you a big, we'll give you a big SUV. You could drive us around the city. We'll pay you to, you know, to take us around the city and take us to the churches that you go to. It was like driving Miss Daisy on steroids. <laughs> and God started doing miracle after miracle on that trip. I can't get into all the details. Uh, but God, you, you know, they would be praying for parking spaces in Manhattan and cars would just pull out of them. Things like that, and God really showed up and encouraged that prayer ministry and that prayer group, and, and I was getting ready to come on home after I dropped them all off the airport, and I heard the Holy Spirit said, don't go home yet. And now, now, now I, I interpreted that as, well, I need to go back down to Manhattan and pick up some, some pastrami on rye sandwiches from the Carnegie Deli. Because I got to load up on those sandwiches before I come home because I love I, I, I loved pastrami on rice sandwiches in New York. So I, so I buy about two, three sandwiches for the, you know, it's like a 14-hour drive, you know, you know and, uh, and I'm getting ready to hit the road. And I remembered that there's a pastor's conference, there's a pastor's prayer meeting at Times Square Church the first Wednesday of every month. And I'd never been to it. And I was desperate. And one of the pastors that I was following was Pastor Carter Conlon, who was the lead pastor of Times Square Church at the time. And I just needed someone to, to just speak life into me. I just needed someone to tell me I'm on the right path so I wouldn't give up. And I was about ready to give up. And I was getting ready to hit the road, and God says, go to, that, go to that pastor's prayer meeting. I said, if I go to that pastor's prayer meeting, I need you to set up a meeting with me and Carter Conlon. Now, he's the pastor of an 8,000 member church, you don't just get appointments with him, and several hundred pastors from the New York City area go to this prayer meeting, and this room was full of pastors all, and they're all dressed up in their suits, I'm in my jeans with my bag with three pastrami sandwiches, I'm reeking, <laughs> I'm reeking of hot pastrami, and I said, God, if I go to this prayer meeting, I need you to set up a meeting with Carter Collin. I need to talk to Carter Collin. I really do. And so I went. And I said, Lord, I'm not going to manipulate this. I'm just going to go to this thing, and I'm going to sit way in the back, in the middle, where nobody notices me. And the whole prayer meeting starts. They do a little worship time, and Carter Collin does a little teaching. 
And he told every pastor, he says, everybody turn around to another pastor and pray for each other. And the second he did that, he walked across the room, walked all the way down to the end of the room, walked to the aisle in front of me, bypassed a bunch of other pastors, stopped right in front of me, says, how can I pray for you? Let's pray together. And we started praying together. And it seemed like we were praying for hours and hours. He was praying, I was praying. He got in the spirit, I got in the spirit. Lord knows what happened during that prayer time. I can't even explain it. But we just locked hands, we locked hearts. And at the end of the prayer meeting, Carter Conlon looks up, looks up at me and says, can I buy you lunch? I said, let me think about it. Yeah. I got to the table. I called Carolyn up and I said, you'll never believe who I'm having lunch with. And she thought I was lying. And then I put Carter Conlon on the phone with her. And Carter heard what I was going through. And Carter Conlon said these words to me. He said, son, you're going to be a pastor someday. And thousands of lives are going to be set free. Just stay on the path that you are. Don't give up. God has an anointing on your life. And he's going to use you in great ways. It was all I needed to hear. It was all I needed to hear. And I came home and those pastrami sandwiches were gone in 10 minutes. (laughs) Because God's word says before they spring into being, I announced them to you. That's why we started a corporate prayer meeting here on Wednesday nights. We're praying every Wednesday night. And we're praying at Dwayne's office. If you want the address, all are welcome to come to it. If you want to lock, if you want to, if you want to touch heaven, we prayed for you on Wednesday. I invite you to come to this prayer meeting. You see, it's the most important meeting of the week. We're praying for the Holy Spirit to lead us, to empower us, to guide us into truth, to counsel us, to give us his grace his favor and his blessing. We're praying for the Holy Spirit to to send more souls that need healing, restoration, recovery, salvation, and freedom. Listen to me very carefully. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is not the third wheel. If you treat him like a third wheel, you will miss out on the power that comes with having a relationship with the creator of the universe who lives inside of you. There's a pastor from Guatemala who wrote a book titled In Honor of the Holy Spirit with the subtitle, He's Someone, Not Something. I don't even know if it's, it's a good book or not, but something interesting about the book caught my attention. The pastor wrote the first chapter and waited 10 years to write the rest of the book because he felt he needed to get, the Holy, he felt he needed to, get to know the Holy Spirit more because he felt unqualified to write about him. And since the Holy Spirit is God and a person who has been around since the beginning of time, don't you think you should get to know him? When was the last time you told the Holy Spirit that you loved him? When was the last time you prayed with and to the Holy Spirit? When was the last time you worshipped him? When was the last time you thanked the Holy Spirit? When was the last time you asked the Holy Spirit to counsel you? When was the last time you asked the Holy Spirit to guide you into truth? To fill you with power, wisdom, knowledge, discernment, grace, his favor, his anointing. Next week, we're going to talk about how to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you and refill you. We're going to talk about living water. 
that lives inside of us, overflowing. One God, three persons. Yet many of us are not sure about the third person. Ignorance is the opposite of honoring the Holy Spirit. (coughs) Excuse me. If you ignore one-third of the Godhead, you are operating at only two-thirds capacity. We can't afford to be running on anything less than 100% of God in our lives. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We all do. Think about the Godhead and the Trinity. The Father loves us, the Son saves us, and the Holy Spirit gives us power to live out God's plan for our lives. Billy Graham said this, if you remove the Holy Spirit from the early church, 95% of its activities would cease to exist. If you were to remove the Holy Spirit from the modern church, 95% of its activities would continue as if nothing happened. So let me ask you, what octane of God are you running on? What comes to mind when you hear the word dynamite? If any of you thought Jimmy Walker, you're really old. But I automatically think of something explosive. And when something is described as dynamic, I know it's something unusual, something powerful that usually stands out. (coughs) Jesus told the disciples that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. The word that Jesus used for power is from the Greek word dunamis, the same word from which we get our words dynamite and dynamic. Have you ever seen a fire hose on the loose? It can knock It can knock some things over, knock some people over. It can be very destructive. But if you get hold of it and aim it in the right direction, you can do a lot of good. See, power can be exciting if it's used for something productive. In the same way, God has given us power, the power of the Holy Spirit for a purpose. But God's power is practical. He didn't give us the Holy Spirit so that we would behave strangely. He gave us the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. And to effectively share our faith. It's power for a purpose. See, when the Holy Spirit came upon the first century believers on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says over 3,000 people became followers. They gave their lives. They surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. Because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. See, God has the power to change your life. But if you're not interested in changing the world, then don't expect his power to set you free. See, the early church was made up of simple men and women. The leaders were former fishermen, tax collectors, who fled in fear when Jesus was arrested and when he needed them the most. They weren't courageous. They weren't faithful. In fact, they lacked faith and courage. They were the least likely to be put in charge of any Christian enterprise. Yet after the events in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, these same nobodies, they were somebodies. They were transformed people. They had courage. They had faith. And they turned their community and eventually the world upside down. It wasn't a result of their seminary training. They didn't have any. They couldn't hand out copies of a New Testament. It hadn't been written yet. It wasn't because they were wealthy or they had a great sound system and light system or a light show at their church. 
They were poor people without a church building. To the existing Jewish religious establishment, which reminds me of a lot of churches, those early Christians were mocked as unlearned and ignorant people with few resources. To the Roman Empire, they seemed fanatical. They seemed like a strange group of people. But one thing they did possess was the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told them to rely on the Spirit for everything. The early believers knew firsthand that Christianity was hopeless without the Holy Spirit. See, when God looks down on earth, think about this. He doesn't focus on ethnicity, and he never acknowledges religious denominations. He just sees two kinds of people. He sees his children who have the Spirit living inside of them, and he sees unbelievers who don't have the Spirit living inside of them. And it's as simple as that, and he loves both groups of people, and so should we. And today we split hairs about doctrinal positions to validate our faith. But to the early church, the definition was a whole lot simpler. Either we're temples or we're not. Either we're temples or we're not temples of the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ in Romans 8, 9. See, it would have been impossible for the apostles to consider someone a true believer in Jesus Christ without the accompanying work and present modern, present day ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God was the bottom line. Where the Spirit of God is, there is power to break chains. Where the Spirit of God is, you'll always see the Holy Spirit and God work hand in hand. They'll never contradict each other. Where you see one, you see the other. You see a spirit-filled person, you see a powerful, filled person with power. Zechariah 4.6 says this, our recoveries, our success, and our lives ought to be based on the simple truth that it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. You see, there's no seminary, there's no church or pastor that can teach you to believe. You choose to do so. There's no seminary, church, or pastor that can teach you to love. You choose to do so. There's no seminary, church, or pastor that can teach you to depend and rely on the Holy Spirit. You choose to do so. There's no seminary, church, or pastor that can teach you to surrender everything to God. Everything to God. You, you know, the measure of your surrender will determine the length of your healing and recovery. Some of you say, well, it's going to take me a long time to recover. That's because your measure of surrender is predetermined that that's going to take a long time. Let me introduce you to the one-step program of recovery. Are you ready for this? You may want to write this one down. Surrender to God. That's it. That's it. Just surrender to God. In every area of your life, God will bless you. God will heal you. God will set you free. God will send heaven on down to meet you. God will do creative miracles. It's the same God who spoke the world into existence, created the world in six days. I think if he can do that, he can handle your hurts, your habits, your hangups, and your issues. I think he can do that. And if you rely on God like that, if you tap into that power, your testimony to whoever is going to listen is always going to be 
1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is never a, a matter of talk, but of power. That's why, I, that's why I believe that whenever I get up to preach, whenever I get up to speak, I stand on the, on the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 2, 4 through 5. It says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. My wife says, amen. <laughs> I told her this week, I said, uh, you read my mind. You know what my wife said? Well, your book's not that big. That's what she said. But my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your faith, your faith, might not rest on men's wisdom. Not on our wisdom, but on God's power. See, I don't ever want you to trust me. I don't want you to rely on me. I want you to rely on God. I want you to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. So one last story I want to share with you before we close. So the same pastor was in that meeting where he told me I was going to preach a healing sermon one day. He, he asked me, he said, Bill, he said, let's have lunch. I said, okay, let's, I'll, I'll meet with you. And he asked me a question. He said, Bill, how hard are you working? How many hours are you putting in with your job? I said, oh, about 50. I said, uh, how many hours are you putting into ministry, preparing messages? And, uh, because I've, by this time, I've got, I, I, I was ordained at a church to preach in, in Kentucky, but I was still working, and, uh, and I didn't know what, what God was going to do. I didn't have any full-time. It was just a volunteer position, and I, didn't, I always thought that God was going to send me out, so I just know how he was going to do it. So my friend David looked at me, and he said, Bill, he said two things. He said, I'm going to pray a prayer that God's going to do more with you doing less. And God doesn't want you working anymore in the business world. God's sending you out into full-time ministry. You're going to be a pastor, and you'll probably get a call sometime next week for a pastor's job somewhere. I'm like, but God's word says before they spring into being, I announce them to you. And he prayed for me. And the whole point of his prayer was, God, you do more with Bill doing less. You do more with Bill doing less. And that week, just like a lot of weeks, I was asked to speak at a university, Western Kentucky University, near Bowling Green, Kentucky. And I was speaking to a bunch of students Several hundreds to a packed room. Several hundred students. And I remember going into that, that meeting. I was going to share my testimony. And, and maybe five minutes into the testimony, I remember what my friend David prayed. God, you do more with me doing less. And the first five minutes of my testimony, I don't even say anything about God. I'm just talking about what it means to walk, grow up in the streets of New York City and I'll never forget several hundred kids all at once weeping and crying uncontrollably the moment I started to speak. I didn't even say anything yet. I didn't even say anything significant. I didn't say anything. I didn't. But they were weeping and crying the whole time. I was watching them and saying, what is going on here? 
And the night started at about 8 o'clock. And I finished sharing my testimony. And in about 30 minutes or so. But we, I didn't leave the building until about 12, 12.30 in the morning. Because God broke the heart of every student there. And there were a ton of them that, that gave their lives to Christ that day. There was a lot of them that were sexually assaulted that day that forgave their offenders. A lot of them bound in bitterness that got set free by the grace of God. One student walked in didn't even know it was a, a didn't even know what she was doing. She walked into the wrong building and she got set free and saved that night. And what had happened was God did more with me doing less. All I had to do was show up. And God did the rest. And God did the rest. I came home that I... To me, it was one of the greatest miracles I've ever witnessed, I've ever been a part of. And I think it was about three days later, and a friend of mine who was a pastor at my church in Kentucky took over a church in Colorado. And he called me and he asked me to be on his staff. And I was his first hire. And he asked me to, to leave Kentucky to be a full-time pastor. Because God's word says, before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you've been announcing things to everyone here for weeks, months, and years. And I pray that your voice is the only voice that anyone watching online right now hears. And your voice is the only voice that will ever obey. I pray that the power you give us would empower us to a place where you would burden each and every one of us to share with others the good news of Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would give us that power for a purpose. And Lord, even as I'm praying that, I know that there's someone either watching or here live tonight that is in a place where I was. I didn't even know if I could make it another day. I don't even know if I could just get through this week. It's been a hard week. It's been a hard day. And I pray that your grace would be sufficient. I pray that you'd be the victor of the outcome of everyone's circumstance. I pray that you would touch every single person here. And you would speak miracles into existence and set the captives free. I pray for anyone lonely 
that you would encourage them. Pray for anyone depressed, that you would give them joy. I pray for anyone with a sickness, that you would heal them in Jesus' name and that their bodies would line up with your word that says, by your stripes, they are healed. I pray for anyone struggling with bitterness and unforgiveness, that they would choose the freedom of forgiveness and move out of the bondage of bitterness. And I pray that everyone would say, use me. No matter who I am, what I've done, what's been done to me, where I'm at, use me. Help us take this message and encourage others so that they can see and know Christ that lives inside of us. Give us power for a purpose tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.